We've made it to the end of the college football regular season. That means it's time for championship weekend. And of course, here at Heartland College Sports, we're covering it for the Big 12. And we've got a game here this weekend, Texas, Oklahoma State. I know most people are going to look at this game and say Texas rolls, but is that actually going to happen? I'm Pete Mundo. You know me, of course, uh, at Heartland College Sports and our managing editor, you read them all the time on the site, is uh, Brian Clinton, and we are here to give you the full preview for the Big 12 Championship game. If you're on YouTube, as always, we ask you to subscribe to the show, hit that thumbs up button as well. That helps us on the video and on the podcast. Leave that five-star rating and review. We always appreciate you doing that. Well, Brian, let me start with this. Uh, let's go back to September. Alabama loses to Texas in Tuscaloosa. And I think it was the next week that Oklahoma State put up the stinker against South Alabama. Would you ever have projected these two teams to be meeting each other for a Big 12 title? <laughs> Not in a million years. Oh, man. I, I will be the first to admit that I absolutely wrote Oklahoma State off after that loss. I mean, 33-7 to in Stillwater. I don't think I was the only one on this staff that was like, Oklahoma State might be the worst team in the Big 12 this year. But credit to Mike Gundy. I mean, my goodness, what a coaching job he's done to turn it, this thing It really around. is. Now, here's the interesting part, though. Neither of us picked Gundy to be the Big 12 Coach of the Year in the Heartland College sports uh, poll that we put out earlier this week. So I thought that was interesting. I think you had Neil Brown and I had yep. Sark, right? Yes. Yep. And so Derek... Derek was the one was the R one uh, Gundy pick of the five of us. So, so Derek Duke was the Gundy guy. Correct. I think he secretly wants to hang out and drink beers with Mike Gundy. That's why he <laughs> picked him. But uh, you, you're, I mean, listen, you can make the case for Lance Leipold. We had KU fans yelling at us. What about Lance Leipold? Yeah, absolutely. So there were four guys you could argue, but either way, an incredible turnaround for Mike Gundy and this Cowboys team. We know it's been on the back of Ollie Gordon. Here's the question. Can Ollie Gordon get it going against this Texas defensive front, which is by far the best run defense in the Big 12, giving up 80 yards per game or so on the ground? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, that's fourth nationally. Uh, when you've got a guy like Devondre Sweat, who was, you know, our, our it wasn't consensus, but it was close, uh, defensive player of the year in, in, the Heart, in Heartland College Sports, all Big 12 uh, team. Those Those two guys in the middle, him and Byron Murphy, they're fantastic, and yep. it's really, really tough to run on them. It has been all season long. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago in Ames, for all the fire that was coming out of out of the Cyclones in that game, they had nine yards rushing on the night. So that's crazy. It Texas has been really, really good down the stretch, and I, you know, there have been a couple of times this year when when Oklahoma State's been forced a, a little bit to to throw the ball with Alan Bowman. One of those being Bedlam, and he showed up in the big game. Now. A week later, they the same thing was tried, and uh, it didn't go so well for the Pokes. But, again, I think that they've shown there's more to this team than, than Ollie Gordon, but certainly he has to be a major factor. And uh, against Texas, that's going to be really tough. You know, I'm intrigued to see if they use Ollie Gordon. Not that they've done it a lot, but they use him in the passing game a little mm -hmm. bit. I mean, what do you think about that possibility? So if I remember correctly, against Kansas, he 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 went over yes. 100 yards on the ground and he also did. 100 through the air. Um, and I thought that was the most dynamic that their offense had looked pretty much for the majority of the season. They looked really, really good in mm -hmm. that game. 
Um, and I think that you're going to have to be creative. Look, what what Pete Kwiatkowski is doing uh, defensively for for Texas, they have really turned the narrative around. I mean, for the longest time, the two things that you really could hold against Texas was they weren't good on the offensive line and they weren't good in the front seven. They were mm-hmm. just terrible against the run. That's not the case anymore. Uh, yeah. They're really, really strong up front. I think where you have to attack them is on the perimeter. And if you can do that with Ollie Gordon, it certainly, certainly helps. Let me ask you this, Pete, what do you think about this? You know, we've, we've seen the big 12 for years and years become battle of quarterbacks. We've had all these huge quarterbacks come through, uh, through the big 12, but this year, you know, Quinn Ewers has been okay. He's, yeah. he's not necessarily what we, we thought Quinn Ewers versus Alan Bowman doesn't really have that that bite to it. This feels more like the star players on this team, on these two teams are, are at other positions. How it's, is that a changing of the guard in the big 12? You know, it's, it's a great point. Cause when we were doing our, um, all big 12 teams, I was looking at the quarterback position and I'm like, outside of Dylan Gabriel, like everyone had a pretty mediocre season yeah. in this conference <laughs> at quarterback. So you're right. I mean, Alan Bowman, Quinn Ewers is not screaming future NFL quarterbacks. No offense to those two guys, even though, Somehow Quinn Ewers is still debating whether or not he's coming back. I don't get it. <laughs> but anyway, I, listen, I think you're right. This is the Big 12 and the stars we're talking about so far on the defensive line and at running back as if this is the Big 10. So right. with, that narrative, I mean, you know, that narrative has been gone in the Big 12 for a couple of years, but there's still these guys that are hanging on to it. Like it's 2014 with Art Bryles and, and, <laughs> and TCU's Gary Patterson and Brandon Whedon and Mike Gundy and like, Cliff Kingsbury. It's like, that's not what this league is anymore. And it hasn't been in a long time. And you know that. Right. Well, and I mean, just today, I remember writing uh, that the two of the three finalists for the Outland Trophy, which is given the most outstanding uh, linemen in the country, offensive or defensive side of the ball, two of the three are from the Big 12. Yeah. You've got Cooper Beebe from kansas state and you've got uh obviously devondre sweat we just talked about at kansas so or at kansas uh excuse me at texas so mm-hmm. this is again this league has changed i think it's a lot more physical now than people give it credit for and, and i think it's probably you could say within reason that the two most physical teams down the stretch have made it to the big 12 championship that is uh, a good point. Now, if I'm Oklahoma State, you got to get Ollie Gordon going. You're right. But where Texas has been vulnerable is through the air. Mm. So that's where I'm looking at guys like Brennan Presley to step up. And But Alan Bowman has got to be accurate. He is so hit or miss, it feels like, with his accuracy. You don't know what kind of guy you're getting. Now, you know the conditions are going to be perfect at Jerry World, so that's not mm-hmm. going to be a problem. But, man, if if we see an inaccurate Alan Bowman early, I think the Cowboys are totally screwed. I do too. This is not a team that, that you want to get behind early and try and come back later on. You don't want to give Texas a lead. Uh, Mm -hmm. the, the defense is not, this is not the same Steve Sarkeesian football team that we saw two years ago where they build this huge lead in the first half and then squander it in the second half. Texas has done a really good job of finishing out games. Uh, they've looked really good in the second half this year. But they have it, made it in they have made it more interesting than it needs to be at times. Correct. Yes. The yeah. last few weeks it's like yeah. 
I mean, up until Texas Tech, it was like, oh, TCU almost yeah. had it and then gets away. And then Kansas State, I thought, oh, no, mm-hmm. here we Houston. go again. Houston almost yes, came Houston, back. Houston should have beaten Texas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Texas fans won't want to hear this, but but the refs actually helped them out in that yeah. one. So I know. That's anyways. impossible, but you're right. <laughs> That's right. So what about the Texas side of the ball when it comes to Texas's offense? Um, they're down Jonathan Brooks. Uh, you know, they've dealt with some injuries on that side of the ball. Quinn Ewers finally coming back. He played his best game, um, really since early in the season against Texas tech last week. But what are you expecting to see from that offense? It doesn't look like the Jonathan Brooks injury has changed their strategy at all. No, they've got uh, a very, very talented, one of the top running backs, uh, in this most recent class, CJ Baxter, is an incredible athlete, and he will be a bell cow for them at some point, um, probably just here going on out, because I believe Jonathan Brooks is going to be a guy that, that probably tests the waters uh, just to see if he can get drafted here, even though he, he had the catastrophic in, uh, injury. But I, I would really look at Xavier Worthy, Jatavion Sanders, and Adonai Mitchell in this game. I think where you can attack Oklahoma State is in the secondary uh, especially vertically, and Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell have been great through uh, when, whenever Quinn Ewers can hit them deep. So uh, it's going to take some deep balls from 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 Quinn but Ewers for them to be successful. They don't do obviously. a lot. They don't do a lot of that. No, though. no, it's got to be. You've got to see them hit on those intermediate passes and get the safeties up. Because what what Oklahoma State does, they they play a three safety. Very, it's it's a very interesting, and you, and you'll see it on Saturday. Lots of guys in the box. They try to play the one, the run first. They're aggressive downhill, the way Brian Nardo calls it. But it does leave space behind them for for deep passes. So this is going to have to be a game where I think you have to force the ball down the field a little bit more uh, if you're Texas, and, and they can have success with that. It's just going to be a matter of making those passes for Quinn Ewers. Now, one thing I'll be intrigued by too, is can Oklahoma state get to Ewers? Uh, Texas has not been great protecting the quarterback. They're middle of the pack in uh, sacks given up this season. So there's potential there for guys like uh, Nicholas Martin, Colin Oliver. They Mm. might have opportunities and if they can get to Ewers and cause a big turnover at some point in this game, maybe that changes the direction of this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nicholas Martin is probably the most underrated. Yeah. Uh, linebacker, not in the Big 12, but in the country. I mean, this guy flies around. He leads the conference in tackles, and he hits the whole. I mean, he is absolutely flying downhill whenever he's coming. So uh, definitely a guy to watch. And as you mentioned, Colin Oliver, the transition from linebacker to defensive end, or excuse me, from defensive end to linebacker for him has been yeah. really, really good. I mean, he's he's looked incredible this year. So uh, they're going to have opportunities, I believe. And, and again, Brian Nardo really likes to be aggressive and they're going to have to hit on those blitzes if they're going to, if they're going to slow down Texas's offense. Yeah. And we're going to find out early if they're going to have any success doing that. Uh, and, and even gosh, uh, Jaden blue for Texas, the running back last week, that dude, when he scored on one of those touchdowns last week, that was the fastest. I feel like I've seen somebody run in the big 12 this season. I, I mean, I, I know he's not going to be the bell cow of Baxter, but he's got blazing speed, man. I was, I, I, it took me a second because I forgot that they'd had him on the roster because he's just yeah. been buried behind these other guys. And he took off. And I was like, who is 23? Yeah. Holy <laughs> cow. And, and he just leaves everybody else on the dust. But yeah, I mean, they, they have talent. I mean, talent's never been the issue. Yeah. Texas. And, yeah. but they've, they've finally, you know, they finally put it together. 
uh, and look like they they have something here that is it could be special. My my question for you is, with them sitting at eleven and one, feeling a little bit of the pressure, especially with how we saw the rankings come out tonight. What are do you think they're coming into this game knowing that they probably need to win this convincingly if they're going to have any chance of getting into the playoff? Yes, uh, I think they know that. I think they knew that before any rankings came out, and we'll we'll get to those. But listen, I I think it's weird because I feel like Texas is trying to find motivation in different yeah. places. Like there were the Mike Gundy comments from Monday when he said basically, "Hey, we got to block them and we got to get to the quarterback or whatever he said." And he said he respects them, but somehow I saw some of the Texas players tweeting out as if like that was somehow a disrespectful comment. So I think they're looking for things to motivate them, kind of like they had with your mark against Texas Tech. But you can't manufacture that. You can't make that stuff up. And I feel like this is kind of getting made up, which makes me wonder if they, you know, unleashed against Texas Tech and maybe there is kind of a step back and a reality setting in, oh, we can't make the playoff. We're in seventh place right now. How are we going to do this? I, I don't know. I mean, I want to get to our picks here in a minute, but Something tells me that this game is going to be much closer than people think. Yeah, the line at 14 and a half, I mean, for a conference championship game, that's it's it's not quite to the Iowa Michigan line that yeah. that's sitting at 21 and a half, but um that's a lot of points. Oklahoma State tends to keep games close and they they do a really good job of slowing down um some of those higher end offenses. So I, I'm kind of with you there. I think that's a lot of points. Uh, they play up and down the competition under Mike yeah. Gundy. They always have. Um, he's good against Texas. He's six and three in Austin. I know the game's not in Austin, but maybe I'm a sucker. But I just think that the Cowboys can keep this thing close. And I like Texas winning, but I'm thinking it's somewhere in the ballpark of 31 to 27, 28. I, I think it's a three to four point game in favor of Texas. I just. I, I like Mike Gundy in this spot. They have no pressure on him. They have nothing to lose. Uh, it's not like two years ago when, you know, all the pressure was on the pokes because if they beat Baylor, they were probably going to the playoff. Mm -hmm. They are going to have nothing to lose. Alan Bowman, you know, is going to be slinging it around. We'll see how accurate he is. And then I think if you use Ollie Gordon right, um, you know, you're going to be able to put some points on the board against this Texas defense. So, I like Texas winning, but I don't think it's anywhere close to covering the spread. I'll say 31 to 28 Longhorns win. So when I've looked at this game, the thing that I can't get over is Ollie Gordon in whenever he has rushed for over 100 yards, they're seven Oklahoma State 7 and 0 whenever he's rushed over the last seven of the last eight games he's gone over 100 yards. They've won all of those games. Mhm. Mm I just don't feel great about Oklahoma State's offensive line creating enough space. Even against Oklahoma, they eventually did. He went for over 130, and it kept the, the offense in, in rhythm. I think Texas wins. They're not going to cover. I, I think that's way too many points. Um, I'm going to go somewhere in the realm of 33-23, maybe. 33-24, somewhere in that area, 9 or 10 points. But But look, I think this is one of those games where Maybe it's maybe it's uh, maybe it's thirty to twenty four, and and they tack on a field goal uh, to make it a two score game at the end, just just to pull out uh, out of reach. I, I don't think this is going to be a game where Texas is is in control the entire way. Um, I think that Mike Gundy 
He's been in this situation before. He's been in a lot of games. And as you said, they don't have a lot of pressure coming into this. And I think that that's where Gundy's kind of at his best. So uh, I think Texas wins. I think they win 33-24. It's going to be close, but Texas doesn't cover. But they do do get to 12-1. Yeah, okay. All right. So, and by the way, for those watching on YouTube, the sign, the the horns down (laughs) sign, will be flipped up if they win the Big 12 championship, which I promised to some of our Texas uh, viewers here in the last couple of months. <laughs> so let's talk about those rankings. Um, Texas comes in at seven. They're getting royally screwed. I mean, they should not be behind Oregon. I don't no. think they should be behind Ohio State. I think Texas should be in the five slot right now. They have a Better victory over a common opponent um, in Texas Tech than Oregon. Texas Tech, remember, Texas Tech was on the verge of beating Oregon. They went for the dopey two-point conversion. They made classic Tech mistakes. They should have probably won the game. Texas just blew out Texas Tech by 50. They got a higher strength of schedule, a better strength of record, more wins against playoff top 25 teams. What's Brian, tell me what Oregon has. The eye test? Oh, Which, man. what does that even mean? And I don't think they have the eye test. So my problem with this particular committee has been they're weighing teams off of their losses and not their wins. Yeah. That does, I mean, it. the only thing that makes sense is, I guess, a loss to Washington at Washington is better than Texas losing to Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry game. Like, I mean, I guess I, that that's the only thing that I can, that I can keep and even come up with that's logical, but it still doesn't make sense to me. I mean, they're, they're higher in those metrics and I don't care. Like I hate this narrative that if, if, if Texas and Alabama played again today, well, you wouldn't, Texas wouldn't beat Alabama. They went to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama by 10 points. <laughs> it, it didn't happen last year. It was this season. Yeah. So why schedule that if you're not going to, to reward them for it? I mean, it's, it's, it, yeah, it, it's it, it, stupidity is what it yes, is. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I think Texas is the best one loss team in the country. I, I agree. I don't, I don't think that they should be behind Ohio state. The only reason I think that that, that that may be viable this week is, is, maybe the committee is looking for a way to just spice up the drama a bit coming in out of championship weekend, because I I do believe you get that extra data point. You do jump ahead of Ohio state. Um, But again, it goes back to the losses, their losses to the number two team in the country. So I I don't know. I I hate that, but that's just kind of how it is. So then the question is this though, if the whole point of the college football playoff committee was to have human beings analyzing this and, using judgment beyond a computer system. Can you really put Florida state in, even if they beat Louisville, let's say it's a close game. Uh, and you know, we know what's happened. We know that they don't have Jordan Travis, their quarterback. He suffered that season ending injury. To me, the whole point of a committee is to judge that and say, Hey, they aren't one of the best four teams in the country anymore. I don't think they'd be favored against most of the top 10 teams right now in the country. Right. So, I mean, if I was a Florida State fan, I'd be livid if I go undefeated and don't make the playoff. But then the other side of me says, isn't that the point of a committee now? Yeah, and I think that this is where this is where the 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 line, the threshold is so so odd. It's hard to to stand on one side and be on the other. Who is most deserving, and who are the best four teams? Yeah, we, those are two heard, different questions. We've heard both of these views, and I think mm-hmm. this is where 
the committee changing every, you know, every two years or whatever it is, I think that's where it, it kind of draws some confusion because if you look at the best four teams going in uh, to the, to the college football playoff, Florida state's not one of them, but if Florida state wins and they go 13 and oh, they're absolutely one of the most deserving teams. And so yes. I, I think it's that fine line and, and look, I wouldn't favor Florida state over, I, I mean, the top 12, the other 12 top 12 teams in the country right now, I wouldn't favor them over over any of those teams. I would take Ole Miss right now over Florida State yeah. without Jordan Travis. I mean, and so I think the spread right now against Louisville is two and a half. Um, it, it's it's going to be a tough game for, for, for the Seminoles. And if they win, I think that they're in. I, as right or wrong, I'm, I'm indifferent to how this all plays out. Obviously, I believe Texas should get in, but if they're 13 and 0, I think the upright there would be an absolute uproar of people uh, coming after the committee if they were to leave Florida State out, right or wrong. I just think that's yeah. So then, I don't see a path for Texas. Then, if if <clears throat> Michigan uh, wins, which you know they're going to win, mm-hmm. um, really, what Texas needs then is Alabama to beat Georgia. But then, are you really going to leave Georgia out? I mean, you can't put. Alabama in over Texas if they both win, mm-hmm. but then you're really going to leave out Georgia. I mean, I, like that's the thing, and that's where I think Oregon still being ahead of Texas is the problem for them because if Oregon beats Washington and Texas beats Oklahoma State, well, Oregon's mm-hmm. going to get a better win. So right. that's not even up for debate because of what the committee already thinks of these two teams. I, like, what is the path? I can't find it. So obviously Florida state losing would be the pat one, the, the clearest path, but the other one, as you just mentioned, if Alabama was to beat Georgia in the sec championship game, as things sit right now, I think Georgia's strength of schedule is 72nd in the country. Their best win oh, wow. is, is uh, Missouri, Missouri, uh, and then Tennessee maybe behind that. So, uh, if, if Alabama wins that game, Absolute chaos because I I do think you can't justify putting Alabama in unless Texas is there. And yeah. so I believe that you would see Oregon potentially left out in that scenario if it was to play out that way, which is nuts because they're ahead of the Longhorns right now. But if you see that whole dynamic change, if if Alabama was to beat Georgia, Texas's win over Alabama gets that much better. So uh, it's 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 really it's going to be interesting. And the thing is, how ironic is it that outside of the the Baylor TCU fiasco, uh, you know, in 2014, outside of that, there hasn't been a, a year where we've had this many teams that were truly deserving of getting in. And this is the last year. We don't. Yeah. I mean, here on out, like I mean, we're talking about. We're talking about 12th ranked Oklahoma, who's 10 and 2 and does not deserve a chance, in my opinion, for a national championship. We're talking about the teams that far down the list being able to play, whereas you've got seven teams right now who are eight teams right now who have a legitimate shot at a national championship. But it all has to play out this week. And I I just think we're gonna miss this. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna miss this at some point, but to get some other opportunities for other schools to get in there. Obviously it is a good thing. So there there's wins and losses and all this, but uh, gosh, it's fun. It's certainly fun. It is man. It is. He's Brian Clinton. He's our uh, managing editor at Heartland college sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Uh, make sure you're checking out his show, uh, the portal podcast. Of course, it's going to be 
uh, pretty chaotic these next few weeks, Brian. So I think the show, you're going to have plenty to talk about on the podcast here coming up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's already started up. I, with, what do we got? Two, uh, two starting quarterbacks from the big 12 already gone. And so, yep. Yep, yeah, yep. it's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts. So search for the portal podcast, wherever you get your podcast, be sure to find it there and uh, enjoy the games this weekend. It's going to be a great championship Saturday. Uh, Brian, good stuff, man. We appreciate you being here. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pete. You bet. And um, of course, Heartland College Sports is where you find us. Hit that uh, subscribe button on YouTube. Of course, hit the five stars on the podcast and uh, leave that rating and review as well. And you'll get that Heartland College Sports koozie when you send me a, a screenshot of your rating and review to my email, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. Enjoy the games. We'll be back for a recap after the games over the weekend. So be sure you're tuned into the show and uh, subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you this weekend.